Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pivot Podcast. Join us each week as we interview an extraordinary and inspiring guest who successfully pivoted away from boring, stressful, or unfulfilling work to pursue their dreams. Benefit from their insight and experience and leave with actionable tips to reframe your future. We are so excited to bring you today's show where we're joined by Dana Fight. We're going to talk about her incredibly dynamic career journey as a criminal defense attorney. Now let's jump into today's interview. Welcome everybody to our very first episode of the Pivot Podcast. My name is Alexandra Balistrieri and I'm here with my co-host Kimberly Tilly. Hi everyone. And our guest today is Dana Fight. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today, Dana? Hi, I'm doing great. Dana, before we talk about what you're doing now, let's talk about your journey a little bit. What were you doing before you pivoted to private practice? Yeah, I actually had a couple of pivots, and each one has turned out to be really well for me. I went to college at the Conservatory of Music in Stockton at University of the Pacific. And so originally, my career goal was definitely to be a musician and be involved in the music industry itself. But before I graduated, I decided that I wanted to go to law school, which was a totally different area of study. And um, I ultimately went to law school with the intention of doing entertainment law, but discovered shortly after I got there that entertainment law was definitely not for me. And I loved the, you know, the idea of being a criminal defense attorney. And so that's what I ended up focusing on in law school. Why did you decide that, that entertainment law was not for you? So I am quite a ham. I love attention. <laughs> I love being in front of people. And unfortunately, entertainment law is a lot of contract work. Behind the desk, you know, staring at a computer screen a lot oh. for most of the day. And, you know, attention to detail in ways that I'm not very good at, like, you know, <laughs> reviewing contracts. So once I realized that, I realized, you know, maybe that's not quite for me. And around the same time, I took my first criminal law class. And it talked about murder and theft and, you know, conspiracy and all these crazy, you know, <laughs> stories. And um, so not only were, you know, the storylines better than so and so took my money or, you know, took my idea for this song and and I'm suing him or her for copyright infringement. Now it was, you know, like, so and so murdered someone. And, and then along with that came the prospect that, you know, the way that you practice criminal law is, obviously, some of it is behind a computer screen, but a lot of it is also in the courtroom. And like I said, I really enjoy being the center of attention. <laughs> and one way to do that is by advocating in court and being the only one that's talking. <laughs> so yeah, it just kind of worked out really well. Do you have like a favorite fictional character that that does criminal defense? You know, I never really got into the movies. I would definitely say that my cousin Vinny is probably one of the better ones. <laughs> I also really liked the Lincoln lawyer. Um, and of course, everybody's gonna talk about you know to kill a mockingbird um but yeah so after i graduated from law school i pretty seamlessly i say that with a grain of salt 
seamlessly transitioned into criminal defense work with indigent clients, indigent meaning they don't have the money to hire their own attorney. So court appointed work. um, And I started my career at the public defender's office in San Joaquin County. And so I worked there from 2013 until 2019. And Before I actually got hired on officially, I did intern there for almost two years. So I knew that this was what I really, really wanted to do. And I knew that I really, really loved the job. And so I had my goal set on working at a public defender's office. Once I finally got hired in 2013, I moved up the ranks from doing misdemeanor trials all the way up to felony trials. I've done trials ranging from everything from, you know, misdemeanor DUIs all the way up to murders. Really? You've defended people who have been accused of murder? Yeah. The number of cases that actually go to trial are fewer than the number of cases that I've handled, but I have done one murder trial at this point. One of them was dismissed twice after we got once once after we got jurors and once before we brought the jurors in. Pretty but, long yeah. process, isn't it? Like to take somebody all the way through you know, yeah. yeah, it can you know, the first murder trial I did, it was about a year from the time of arrest until the time that we started trial. But that's actually pretty fast for a murder trial. More often we see murder trials, murder cases lasting a couple of years before it ultimately gets to trial. Wow. Wow. I didn't realize that a year was considered short. Yeah. For, you know, for a complex homicide, a year is on the shorter end, I would say for, you know, at least in the county that I was practicing in at the time. Yeah. Hearing about how cases were investigated back at, you know, the birth of the modern world versus now, they definitely cut a lot of corners, I feel like, and they weren't as thorough an investigation. But then, you know, you hear a little bit about what's going on today and how they investigate. And sometimes you're like, hmm, have we come that far? Totally. Yeah, no, absolutely. When you're not in a courtroom, your job as a defense attorney is very much as the investigator and trying to figure out, you know, the puzzle of these cases and figuring out, you know, where the where the DA or the prosecutor and the police, you know, cut corners and really looking at how these crimes were committed and ultimately who committed them. I didn't realize that that kind of investigation was such a big part of what a public defender does. Could you tell us a little bit more about that aspect of your role? You know, it's really scary when you look at statistics from like the Innocence Project, looking at people who have been exonerated through DNA. And then to think about, you know, the number of people who have been convicted of crimes that they didn't commit, but there is no DNA to exonerate them. You know, one of my uh, idols, of course, is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And one of the quotes that I read recently from her is that she has yet to see a appeal to the Supreme Court regarding a death penalty case where the defense attorney did a good job. And, you know, that's paraphrasing the quote. I don't remember. I'm sure she said it much more eloquently. But the point being, the quality of representation you get and the quality of the investigation affect people's lives directly. So, yeah. 
So you mentioned that you work with a lot of clients who can't afford to get their own attorney and so they're appointed one by the court. And it's obvious to me that you really care about your clients and and making sure that they have the very best representation. But I'm wondering how much in general the quality of your representation depends on how much you can afford. Totally. So what's interesting is that I would actually say your chances of getting a high quality attorney are probably just about the same, whether you pay someone or whether you, um, you know, are appointed an attorney. Cause obviously we have some really great attorneys that are dedicated and, yeah. you know, die hard, true believers, but there are other attorneys and this is true inside public defenders offices, as well as in the private field. Um, there are other attorneys that are not as, dedicated to the work and they don't do as as good of a job and it's hard if you're accused of a crime and you can afford an attorney it's hard to figure out what attorney is good because unless you're getting a referral from someone else a lot of times you're just doing google searches or or whatever and and that's sometimes not much better than luck of the draw with a public defender appointment so when you were employed at the public defender's office and that comes with some benefits, doesn't it? There's the certainty of it, for one thing. Sure, right. You know, once you're off probation, which I think is probably over maybe a year, you have definitely job security. So it's a lot harder to get, you know, fired um, or laid off. You have guaranteed work. You know, you have the, you know, your paychecks coming in regularly. And significantly, right, we have medical, dental benefits and retirement benefits as well. So yeah, there were definitely a lot of perks that came along with with the job. What caused you to look into a new direction? Ultimately, you know, the reason that I left the public defender's office is not because I didn't love practicing criminal defense. Like I know this is in my bones. This is what I love to do. What I didn't like about the job was really the bureaucracy and the internal politics and the way that people interacted in a group environment. And I thought that that was those traits about the job uh, were interfering with the entire offices, but including my ability to do the best job that I can do. So ultimately, I just really wasn't happy with the way that the office was being managed. I wasn't happy with the internal politics and the way that that we ran our business, if you will. I wanted to be client focused and, you know, really focus on my ability to do the absolute best job that I can for these people that I represent because their lives are literally at stake. And if there's some reason why I'm not able to get, for example, funding for an expert, or if there are hoops that I have to jump through in order to do so, that negatively affects the quality of representation that I'm able to provide. Whereas now, I'm able to decide for myself that I want an expert. And I'm the one that writes the the request for, you know, for funding, uh, instead of having to go through, you know, the additional hoops that you would have to go through in, you know, a, a bigger firm, like a public defender's office. And it sounds like you really felt like you would 
be a better attorney and, and be a better resource for your clients if you were on your own. Right. You know, there were, in my mind, the benefits were of the job were outweighed by the negative aspects of the job. I'm in this job because I'm a true believer. I'm diehard criminal defense. And ultimately, the buck stops with how well you're representing your clients. So even though there were some personal benefits to me, like having retirement and having medical benefits and whatnot, ultimately, to me, the experience, the job, the quality of my work life was more important than those than those benefits. And when I say quality of work, my work life, I guess, um, I'm not only referring to the ability to do a good job with my clients, but also just the environment that you're in, right? Like in a larger company, you're not able to pick and choose who you associate with. And, you know, a lot of times in a bureaucratic environment, those interactions can be negative. So Dana, could you tell me a little bit about what your vision was for what you wanted to do and what actions that you needed to take? So I think that uh, my vision was to do the exact same thing, right? Practicing criminal law, except doing it by achieving the best quality of representation that I, that I could. In order to do that, I think I realized that I needed to break free from the restraints imposed by bureaucracy. <laughs> and so in order to do that, I think I realized I need to just take that leap of faith and def- step out and, and see what's there. That must have been a really hard decision to make, though, because you do. You have all these benefits, and you have the security of it. You're, you're a relatively new attorney. And, and to walk away from all of that and go towards something, like you must have had a lot of faith in that. Yeah. I mean, I had, luckily, I had a, a good network of colleagues that I had met throughout my practice as a public defender. And that ultimately led me to contacting the director of the conflict panel in Santa Clara County. And, and that's where I get, get my work from today. But ultimately, I would say that probably the network and my, the colleagues that I, you know, had worked with previously, you know, my network was really what ended up landing me on my feet. Did you like kind of struggle with that decision? Was that a hard decision to make? Oh, yeah, it's definitely a hard decision. But I think that when ultimately I boiled it down, it was not a hard, I should rephrase, not that it wasn't a hard decision to make, but that it wasn't, that it was a clear decision that had to be done Um, in order for me to be happy, in order for me to do the best job that I can it wasn't in that bureaucratic environment. Could you tell us a little bit about um, your current job and if you like your current job doing what you're doing? Yeah, so my current job is pretty much exactly the same as what I did at the public defender's office. I'm still doing court-appointed criminal defense work. The difference is that instead of working for a office, like the public defender's office, I just take referrals from the conflict panel in Santa Clara County. So it's conflict panel is 
basically an, a list of attorneys that are available to take court-appointed work when the public defender has a conflict and can't represent that client for whatever reason. So I'm essentially doing exactly the same thing. I'm representing the exact same client, you know, the person who is accused of a crime and unable to afford his or her own attorney. But I don't have the same oversight that I did at the public defender's office. You're self-employed. So that's kind of the biggest change is instead of, you know, having a paycheck come in every two weeks or whatever it was and having to put in your time in order to get advancement advancements or promotions, I guess, you know, you're your own boss. And so you decide how much you're going to pay yourself, obviously, depending on what you're bringing in. So I think, you know, the, the idea of being reliant on yourself as opposed to an employer can be a daunting thought, but ultimately I think it's been really a positive improvement. You kind of summed it up here, but do you, do you like your new job? Yeah. So I absolutely love my job today. I am going to do this until I retire. Definitely. Could you tell us a little bit about what's next for you? You know, like what you see happening next in your career, Dana? Right now I'm doing a lot of, in fact, all of my work is court appointed. So I get all of my work through the conflict panel in Santa Clara County. Um, And I think that ultimately I'm interested in branching out a little bit into private defense work where people can hire me directly as opposed to having the court appoint me to represent people. So that's definitely something that I see as a possibility in the future, but at the moment, I'm not totally, I'm making enough to sustain myself and my business that I'm not, you know, I don't have an emergency need to do that quite yet. And so I think I'm going to hang tight doing what I'm doing now for a little while before I look at expanding into different areas. I think that's great. Could you tell us one tip that you would offer to someone who is in a situation that is very similar to yours to just, you know, be inspired to go out there and do what they're meant to do? Ultimately, you just have to listen to your heart. And I think that that sounds super cliche, but you really know if you are happy and if you are fulfilled, like deep down. And you spend so much time working that it doesn't make sense to force yourself to do something, to be employed somewhere that you're not getting a lot of emotional benefit from. And so I think ultimately just listening to yourself and knowing, asking yourself whether you really are truly happy or not is, is, you know, really the first step because if the answer is no, then it's not worth feeling like you're trapped because there is an alternative, right? There, you can start looking elsewhere. And, you know, like, like you guys are indicating, you know, you can pivot to something new and it'll be okay. It's very hard to have the courage to leave something that, you know, you're sure about and you know what to expect and, and then go to something unknown, but you would have continued in that situation. It wasn't going to improve itself. And what you did in, in leaving there, it, I mean, it takes a lot of courage, but it has a lot of payoff too. Yeah, it does.
Well, um, Dana, how can people reach you? Do you have social um, media or an email or anything like that that you would recommend if people wanted to reach out to you? Yeah, I am most easily reached by email. And my email is Dana at fightlegal.com. So it's D-A-N-A at F-I-T-E-L-E-G-A-L.com. And guys, all this will be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and for being our first guest. You were wonderful. Thanks so much. It was so awesome to have you, Dana. Thank you again. And that will do it for today's episode of Pivot. Our guest today was criminal defense attorney Dana Fight, who practices in Santa Clara County, California. You can find contact information for Dana as well as Alexandra and I in the show notes. And if you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode.